right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Yeah? All right. That's what I'm talking about. Looks like there might be a few people looking for seats, so uh, if you've got a few next to you, maybe give them a wave and say, you can come over here where I'm at. Uh, that'd be really good. Uh, make a new friend, take them out to lunch, cheer for the Browns, all the fun stuff we can do this afternoon, right? So uh, you, ever, um, you ever put something in the oven, and then you get busy doing something else, and all of a sudden the timer goes off, and you go back into the kitchen, you open the door, and you reach in and grab it out, and you didn't put anything on your hand. You ever do that? Like burn your hand on a cookie sheet, burn your hand on a baking dish, anybody else? Or am I just the dumb one? I've done that before, right? It's very good. Uh, It hurts. It hurts bad. Uh, And then you're like left between a rock and a hard place because you can either like push it back in, which means you have to touch it longer, or you like have to like pull it out and do, or you can like drop it and like it just crashes everywhere. Like once you've reached into the oven, like that thing is going to burn you and you're kind of left with no recourse after that, right? So that's kind of where we're going to head today. That's kind of today's conversation is what do we do uh, in that situation? Let me, let me ask you a different set of questions to frame this up. Any of you ever punch a kid on the playground? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, all right, any, oh, cool. <laughs> Not me, yeah, I've done it. Uh, anybody ever shove a kid into the lockers? You know, just like the full, like, you know, like, um, okay, just me, cool. And then uh, anybody ever get so mad that you, like, punch a wall? Like, you, like and, and sometimes it's not even, like, the, the drywall that you could theoretically go through. Like, anybody ever picture a brick wall? Like, how dumb is that? You know, as if it's going to be like a superhero movie where, like, the brick just goes, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, no, it's like, you know, it just turns into not good things, right? Uh, anybody ever send the angry message? You're like, I'll tell you. You know, it's like, yeah. You just, like, feel good for, like, three seconds till you realize now that's in to that relationship for eternity. Uh, that doesn't feel good. Um, you ever yell so angrily at a sporting event that the referees kick you out? Anybody? All right, cool. Uh, any, any of you ever blow up at your spouse because they're giving more affection to the dog than they're giving to you? Anybody do that? Yeah, that just feels weird. Like this dumb animal, and you gave your vows to me. You know, it's just like, how does that, how does that work? Uh, anybody ever yell at anybody else driving? Anybody? Oh, there's a few, there's a few more hands. Thanks for your honesty. Uh, I remember one time when my daughter was like three, and I addressed another driver uh, in front of me, and my daughter was like, Dad, who are you talking to? Wiser words could not have come out of her mouth. I'm like, nobody, actually. Uh, It's funny that you asked that, because they certainly can't hear me. The only person that can hear me is this young child I'm trying to raise, Uh, and so I'm not really sure that that was very fruitful. Um, Anybody ever just like stew over the injustices of the world? Like you just, you watch something online, you see something, you know, on, on the news, you, you see this stuff playing out and you're just angry at like how the world is working and then all of a sudden like someone asks you a question over dinner and it just sets you off. It has nothing to do with what they asked, but you've just been stewing. This is not an arbitrary list. That was just a mini confessional. I've done each and every one of those things on that list, including being tossed out of a sporting event for yelling at the ref too much. That was fun. Uh, it's one of the few times I've been escorted by police. Uh, and, and, and so anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, those were all a long time ago. Uh, Jesus has done some incredible work in my life when it comes to anger. And by no means am I perfect. Uh, I don't know that we can be perfect in any area of our life this side of heaven, but 
it's crazy when we actually decide to embrace who Jesus is and what he brings to the table, how he'll mess with things in the best of ways with even some of the hardest things in our life. Anger can show up anywhere, anywhere. And it almost always seems so intense and it's always painful. It always hurts one way or another. It destroys us on the inside and it just grips us and we're stewing and we're building up and all this stuff is happening in us or it's burning these bridges around us and our coworkers don't like to work with us, our family doesn't like to be around us, that person has no idea why we have the position that we have, we can't contain it. And it just makes things worse and the pain exasperates. Some of us are like, Joe, I don't, I don't get that angry. I mean, I'm never gonna talk to that person ever again and they're never invited over over the holidays ever again, and I'll ignore it. If I see them at the store, I, but I don't get angry. I just get bitter and hold grudges till my dying day. Where does this come from? And then what do we do with it? Like, are we comfortable living with such sharp, sharp edges in our life? Do, do we want to be the people that arbitrarily yell at others while we're driving? Do we want to be the people that hurt those that we love the most because our anger is just a notch or 14 notches too high? Are we okay with that? And what if, what if, what if Jesus had something for us that even when we were the most angry, even when we were at the top of the spike of our most intense emotions, what if, what if he wanted to meet with us, sit down with us, and say, can I, can we just talk as friends? Can, like, we, can we work through this? Can I, can I show you something different? Can I help you see something that's life-giving and not just something that's so destructive either inside or out? When, when the oven timer goes off on our emotions, when that alarm bell's are ringing and our anger is showing up. What do we do before we burn ourselves and everybody else around us? Here's where we're gonna go this weekend. Um, first thing I wanna kinda work through is we're going to get angry and that's okay. Then I wanna kinda walk us through a few golden tips that I think are very, very helpful as we navigate when we get angry, what do we do with it? And then, and then I wanna kinda land on this place that our anger does not have to define us. Some of us, our anger is so intense that we've actually allowed it to become a part of our identity. I just have a short fuse. I just have a hot temper. You know, that Italian blood, it just recourses through the veins and I got a little bit of a... We don't have to be defined by our anger. And so we'll head there too. So I want us to, uh, let's, let's hit into this, get into the scriptures. Uh, I'm gonna be in Ephesians chapter four. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and flip open the Ephesians chapter four. Uh, or you can Google it, follow along in the app, you can be there. And I would love if we do that, right? Like, uh, I'm gonna have a lot of it on the screen, don't get me wrong, but uh, when we get it on our own devices, uh, when we're opening up our own book, it's a good reminder that like God's word, his heartbeat is accessible to us all the time. Uh, it's not something that we have to just come listen to somebody talk about it. Like God is interacting with you. So I love it when we get into our own stuff too. But Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, 
says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Simple, simple verse, uh, maybe a little bit life-changing for some of us because I kind of always thought that sin and anger were kind of synonymous, like don't sin by getting angry is kind of how I would have initially interpreted this verse, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say when you get angry, you're already in trouble. When you get angry, you're already messing up. It doesn't say that. It says when you are in your emotion of anger, don't let it control you. What you do in your anger is whether or not you're responding healthily or unhealthily. There's another translation that says, in your anger, don't sin. In other words, you're going to experience this, so what are we gonna do with it? God gets angry, we get angry. Some of it is straight up justified. When someone deliberately mistreats you or deliberately mistreats someone that you love, of course you're gonna get angry. Anger in and of itself is not the problem. It's our response to it that can get us in trouble. And a couple of years ago, I, I, I read this thing and it kind of was revolutionary for me in terms of how I saw anger. And it's this idea that anger, like 99.9% of the time, is a secondary emotion. Anger is not often the thing that's actually welling up inside of us. Something else is stirring us up from the inside that's causing us to show anger. It kind of looks like this, right? So we see anger on the surface. We see ourselves or we see that loved one, that friend getting angry, but what's underneath it? What's causing it? What's driving it, right? Because anger shows up and sometimes we're like literally looking at our loved one and being like, why are you so angry? I don't get it. I see this, I don't see this. So your reaction doesn't make sense. But if you think about, let's look at frustration for a second. Any of you ever do, uh, I mean, I never do this, but um, any of you ever have like 10 minutes to get somewhere so you leave with nine minutes to spare, <laughs> right? You're like, because when you put in that address and it says 10 minutes ETA, you're like, challenge accepted. Like I can totally get there in nine minutes, watch me, right? And then there's a yellow light and that, Toyota Corolla in front of you didn't go through the yellow light. And instead of responding like, you know, I, I scheduled myself this way and I, I probably shouldn't have done that. And if you're just following the rules of the road, it's so great that you're driving safely. You didn't want to cause an accident. That makes so much sense. And again, my inconvenience, my bad, I scheduled. No, we're not. We're, come on! <laughs> yeah, we laugh because we're like, yeah, I know. Like, it was just... We see it all the time. We experience it all the time, and we're frustrated. We're frustrated with how we've organized the day. We're frustrated with someone that just decided to do something a little bit differently than we would have done it. We're frustrated, but it shows up as full-blown anger. Rejection, finally gonna ask her out. I've muscled up the courage. We kind of enjoy spending time together. Maybe I can take her out on a date. I got it all planned out. Hey, you want to go out with me sometime? Oh, man, you're such a good friend to me. Friend? <laughs> like, and suddenly, we've built ourselves up this world. We've planned it all out in our head. We saw how it was going to go. Wedding bells were ringing in our head. We ask her out, and all of a sudden, she rejects us. And that totally gets us stuck in a place that we never saw coming. It's not how we planned it. So anger shows up and suddenly you're dead to me. We're so angry because of something else that's going on. Shame? How dare you point out to me my flaws? I'm ashamed that I messed up in these areas of my life. 
and you want to bring them up and you want to talk about them, my defense mechanisms kick in and all of a sudden back off. I don't want to have this conversation. Well, you know what you've done. There's the shame that sits inside of us and then when it bubbles to the surface, it's angry. Grief is a sneaky one. Because we'll like hear a song that reminds us of that person, reminds us of that season that's just now behind us and we miss it. And maybe even in the moment, it's not necessarily messing with us until later that night at dinner and someone asks a question and we just get set off because we didn't realize that that grief has been churning in us all day long and then all of a sudden one simple question and we lose it. Anger is what everybody sees but something like this is what's actually going on underneath. And so if we're only ever willing to address the anger, we may not be addressing what actually needs to happen. Anger, when it appears, it's masking something. It's masking something. And so when that oven timer goes off, when that alarm bell rings, one of the first things we have to ask ourselves is why is anger showing up right now? Because if I'm just telling myself, stop being angry, that's probably not gonna work. But if we allow ourselves to interact with our grief, our shame, our frustration, we might be starting to go down a path that's helpful. Sometimes I think of this as like a cup, and your emotions are filling up the cup, you experience the song that gets you kind of weepy, and reminds you of mom, and reminds you of this, and, and then you have that Toyota Corolla that I can't believe you didn't go through that yellow light, and, And then someone asks you the question that reminds you of the ways in which you failed and you feel ashamed and then you go home and someone asks you if you'd help put the dishes away and somehow that simple question just overflows the cup. And that family member is literally looking at you like, all I did was ask if you would help the dishes. How on earth are you blowing up at such a simple question? You're like, I don't know. But it's not that question. It's all of this that has brought us to this place to where now the anger has spiked through the surface. If we're not willing to interact with those things that are deep inside of us, then our cup is always going to be full and anything and everything can set us over the edge. When anger appears, it's masking something that needs to be addressed. Now, what do we do when the anger boils to the surface? Well, let's go back to the passage. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't use foul or abusive language. One of the first things we can do when we get angry is shut up. (laughs) I don't know that many of us say many things that we're super proud of when we're super angry. Whether it's the type of words that we use, whether it's the way that we like emotionally try to shove people under the ground and bury them, the ways in which we interact with people when we're the most angry, if we don't pause for even just a second, we often will say things we're going to regret. And it never helps us build a relationship. It always helps us tear them down. And so in our attempt to express our anger, we end up making the situation worse. And then we're angry because you didn't understand why I was angry, and now we're gonna say more things that we regret, and it's gonna continue to spiral. If we could pause for a minute and not use the foul and abusive language, uh, James says it this way. He says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. How, how easy is it for us to flip this? I'm quick to get angry. I'm quick to speak. And if you finally admit that you were wrong and I was right and grovel at my feet, maybe I'll listen to your side of the story. That's the natural tendency when we get angry. 
Because my anger is justified. I'm angry for a reason. These are my emotions. This is my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. So I'm good. You're the one that needs to figure this out. When we flip this, here's some bonus content. I wanna encourage you guys to read uh, James chapter three this week. Talks a lot about the tongue and how it can get us into trouble and how it can help us and walks through some of this anger stuff. It'd be a great bonus thing for you to read through and pray through this week. James chapter three, you'll thank me later. Now, when we step into this arena and we're quick to speak, quick to get angry and slow to listen, we start, that's when we start to burn ourselves in the oven. We see the alarm bells goes off, boom, I reach in. Ow. Or boom, and now it's all over the place and now I've burnt everyone else around me because we're quick. But what if we slowed down? What if we were willing for a moment to hold the tongue and not let the secondary emotion win? Because it's not anger it's not the anger that needs addressed. But if we don't slow down to actually figure out what's going on, we're going to burn ourselves and others simply because of what's going on inside of us. And here's the thing, we don't actually need to tell everybody around us everything we're thinking. We don't. In some arenas of our life, we know that. You walk into somebody's office and you see their family picture on the wall and you're not like, you chose that picture? You guys look terrible. You're not going to say that. I hope if you are going to say that, we should have another conversation about other things. But we're not going to say everything that's on our mind, right? It's a proverbial cliche. You know, how, does the, how do these genes make me look? Catch 22. You know, you're just going to get angry. You're testing me. You know, like it's just... We're not going to say everything that's on our mind, but for some reason, when we get angry, a switch flips. And we're like, no, I, I do need to tell you everything that's on my mind. And I do need to express everything that's going on right here. And I need to tell you right now how I feel, what's going on. And you need to say you're sorry. We're, we're just full-blown. Anger takes away all the filters. Here it all is on the table. Take it or leave it. That's how I feel. My emotions are real. Handle it. That's destructive. There's no other way around it. That's destructive. To put that pressure on other people to handle your worst and most volatile moments, that they now have to put up with the fact that, yeah, I just blow up sometimes. I have to put up with my jerk brother. I have to put up with my jerk spouse. I have to put up with my jerk parents. I have to put up with, because that's just, why, are we, why would we allow ourselves, why would we excuse ourselves to say, I'm allowed to destroy the fabric of this relationship, get over it. I mean, think about that logically. I don't care if I hurt you with my words just because I happen to be angry. There is no logic in that whatsoever, but for some reason, when we're angry, the switch flips, and that's how we're wired to operate. The passage continues, gives us a little bit more understanding here. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Get rid of all that bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We have to get rid of it because all of this destroys that's why it's called sin. That's, what, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to help us understand. That's what Jesus is trying to show us. When it's sinful, you're destroying relationships. You're destroying the relationship with him. You're destroying the relationship with other people. When you get angry and all of this starts to show its face, there is no way to help the relationship by operating in this arena. There's no way to do it. 
Your marriage will not get better if you're using slander, harsh words, anger, and rage, and bitterness to get your point across. Your relationship with your parents is not going to get better if all we use is harsh words to interact with them because we're angry at them for not doing blank. Our relationship with our siblings, our coworkers, it's not going to get better. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. That's, that's sinful, not because I said it is, but because it's harmful. And it will destroy what's around us. No, that's easier said than done. Just don't say that stuff. Ta-da. Let's pray. <laughs> if it was that easy, we, we, we probably wouldn't be destroying our relationships. We probably wouldn't be having these angry outbursts all the time. You see, anger is just that alarm that goes off that lets us know that something else needs to happen. It's masking something. So how do we go after the thing that's actually inside of us that's causing that to surface? There's this really, when I was first reading through this passage this week, there's this really odd phrase that shows up that almost feels like it doesn't fit. And so I was praying about it and thinking through it, and I think I, I now see what God's trying to get at. And this simple phrase says this, remember, God has identified you as his own. God has identified you as his own. When we decide to follow Jesus, we're his children. And if, if my daughter is bothered by something, like anything, she's my kid. Come talk to me. You can come to me about anything, anything. I will love you, I will help you, anything. You are God's child. He's not distant. He's not sitting up there with a clipboard going like, I told you he'd get angry again. I told you she'd lose her cool again. God is near. God is ready for a conversation. When, this, when these alarm bells go off, that is the perfect place, the perfect time to go to him and start venting with him. Sometimes when we think about prayer, we think about prayer as like, here's my wish list of all the things I wish would happen, God, amen. Sometimes when we think about prayer, it's like, I gotta say the right words, otherwise I'm in trouble with God, amen. Prayer is conversation with our Heavenly Father, and sometimes that means straight up processing. Here's all the stuff that's eating my lunch. I don't understand why this person that I love so much is so confusing to me. I'm so frustrated. I don't understand why a simple person obeying the traffic laws destroys my emotions. I do not understand why when this, when this person, who is my professional superior, asks me to do something, why I get livid. God, why am I wired this way? Why are they treating me this way? Why? We can process with him what's going on inside of me. Sometimes I'll even pull up an empty chair across from me just to remember that God is here listening to me, here to engage me, here to guide me, and I will just talk. Sometimes I will yell. Depending upon the situation, sometimes I'll weep. We could go to God in prayer and process our emotions with him. We can process what's actually, we can process any of those things, the shame, the grief, the frustration, the insecurities, the anxiety. Jesus is there, here, to meet you at your greatest point of need, to walk you through that fire, to walk you through that intense moment and be there for you 
as we try to move towards something that's more life-giving. This happened all the time in the scripture. Jacob wrestled with God. Abraham negotiated with him. Even Jesus was pleading with him in the garden. This is not how I want to see this play out. God, is there any other way? But we see time and time again as people said, apparently my way is not working. God, would you show me a pathway out of this? We continue to see life change after life change fruitfulness after fruitfulness show up in people's lives. God knows you, he sees you, he hears you, he wants you to process life with him. He wants you to have those conversations with him. And when we take this stuff to the Lord and he begins to help us with our perspective, maybe we can actually handle it when that alarm bell rings and we need to do something with what's burning inside of us. The passage gives us some more and it says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them and be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Some of us, when we think about how angry we get in some circumstances, being kind and tender-hearted and encouraging is the last thing on our mind. But what if it wasn't? What if, when we're in the heat of those moments that we shifted the goal of that relationship, of that circumstance? You see, our goal is not just to communicate everything that we're feeling. Our goal is not to communicate everything that's going wrong so that they can feel bad about why you're so upset? What if the goal was to make the situation different by trusting Jesus that he wants to use you in that moment? What if we could respond to things in kindness with an understanding tender heart? What if we understood the depth of how much Jesus has forgiven us? Every time, every time I've mistreated somebody, every time I've ignored someone, every time I've made someone feel small, every time I've insulted someone, every time I've ignored someone's pain and ignored their needs just so I could do something that I wanted to do, every time, why am I so good? You know the people I'm the best at hurting? The ones I love the most. And every time I have made those missteps, every time I go to Jesus, he forgives. Every time. And he helps me take a step forward and he helps me move beyond it and he helps me learn a pathway to restore what I've broken. Every time. And if we could remember how Christ has forgiven us, If we could remember that, wouldn't we treat people a little bit differently because maybe they're hurting like I was. Maybe they just don't get it yet. Maybe their life's falling apart and you're just trying to get a spreadsheet from them, but their world's crumbling at home and and they're just trying to survive. What if we could show up with kindness and, and, and tender heart and 
and walk with them through that part of their life as opposed to just showing them our front-facing emotion of intense anger? What if we could offer a part of the pathway of healing in life and not just one of destruction because I feel a certain way and you just need to know how I feel? You see, what's one of the things that's helped me the most is remembering that I need Jesus and so do they. I need Jesus. And I don't mean I needed him once so that I could go to heaven one day. I mean, I do not have the strength to navigate the relationships in my life and the complexities of my life. I do not have the wisdom to interact with all the things that are coming my way. I do not have my act together. I need Jesus. I need him. And I am not perfect. I need his forgiveness on the regular. And so does everybody else. I'm not the only one that's a mess. If you'd be willing to admit it, you're all kind of a mess too. And the people that we work with and our families, they need Jesus. And they're not gonna handle life perfectly. And they're going through pain and grief. You see, if we can meet Jesus in these moments and see these folks the way that he does, we'll interact with it differently. So when that oven timer goes off and anger is showing its ugly head inside of us, when we grab the oven mitt and we decide to bite our tongue, maybe we shouldn't say everything that's coming to the forefront of our mind right away and we decide I don't want to burn myself or everyone else around me. When I decide to actually open up the oven door and reach in with the oven mitt, that's gonna help me. I'm gonna process this with Jesus first. I wanna understand what's going on. I wanna make sure that I have my mind on straight, my heart in a good place before I respond. And when we actually take it out of the oven and we're striving to build them up and encourage them and actually share this recipe of look what happens when I handle emotions in a really healthy and godly way. Check this out. Maybe we have something here together. When we do all of that, I fully believe and have even experienced that this is a life-giving pathway, that my anger does not have to control me. I do not have to burn every bridge that's around me. I can be engaged by Jesus and find a healthy pathway forward. But let's be honest. So far, this actually kind of sounds a lot like an HR meeting. You probably shouldn't say the first thing that comes to, to mind. That's not going to cause a good work environment. Why don't you pause, count to 10, take a deep breath, go for a walk if you need to, get into your head, meditate a little bit, pray whatever you need to do, and come back in and let's engage like a mature adult. And I'll, I, I will die on this hill. Interacting with Jesus is exponentially, supernaturally different than just meditating and getting into your own head. So there's a lot of power in that subtle difference. But if it's just as simple as take your HR manager's advice, why aren't we better at this? Does that mean you're just not a good human being? Does that mean we're just terrible Christians? Because that ironically just builds into the shame, which I'm pretty sure is part of what fills up our cup and sets us off anyway. There is a foundational peace 
There is a, a miracle to who Jesus is that is a game changer when it comes to our anger. And this concept is so overused and misused, we skip past it all the time. We hear this word and we're like, yeah, 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 that's what everybody says, blah, 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 it's not gonna work, or yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, we just don't even hear the essence of what it means. And yet it's the most transformative piece to this whole puzzle. It's the thing that will change how we interact with our own anger and with the anger that's around us. And that simple concept, but revolutionary one, is love. You see, it is central to our faith. It is absolutely pivotal to who we are, whose we are, and who he is. It's love, and I'm not talking about just the lovey-dovey romantic stuff. Look, look, look at all of these experiences, all of these examples that the scripture gives us, that God shows us. God himself is love, and I'm pretty sure that doesn't just mean that like, God has all the gooey, mushy stuff, and that's who he is. It means something far greater than that. The scriptures tells us, Jesus shows us that God so loved the world, everyone, that he had this plan to send his own son to come down as the rescuer, that he would come for us, that he would sacrifice and bleed and sweat and and give tears over the fact that he wants us to even have a chance of responding to him, not just so that we would be able to handle our anger okay and have a decent life, but so that he could give us eternal life so that he could change us from the inside out so that something would be miraculously different because God didn't send Jesus to come down here to judge us and sit there with a clipboard and say, yep, I told you they're going to fail again. They're going to get angry again. They're going to blow up again. They're going to say that stuff again. He did not come to judge us. He came to save us, to offer a different life, to show us life and life to the full. The scripture over and over and over shows and tells us that God's love is unfailing, that when he shows up, and his love is imported into the very being of who we are and it doesn't fail, that God's love is everlasting and that he showed that love to us in this, that while we were still rebellious, while we were still saying, God, I don't want anything to do with you, while we were still saying, God, I wanna totally do it my way and your way stinks, I don't want anything to do with that, when we were still saying, no, God, that's when he decided to show up and say, I will give my life for you because you matter that much. I will die for you and by the way, I'll resurrect and I'll rise from the dead to show you that the power of who I am, the power of my love can change anything that not even death can hold me down. So we're talking about your emotions and your anger and your life and those relationships. I have the power and the life to hit you right in the middle of that. That's who Jesus is. And so he's bringing that love to the table and he's saying it's not the lovey-dovey, mushy stuff. It's the life-changing, transformative power of who I am as God showing up in your life. And here's such a fun piece that the scripture also teaches us that nothing can separate us from it. Nothing. Love is the foundation. Love is the call that God gives to us to love him, to love others. And here's the key, it's not just an emotion. God is not calling us to say, you know what, I would really love it if you had some really mushy, fuzzy feelings about me and other people. But some of us, we hear the word love so much, that's all we can picture. 
And we're sitting here thinking to ourselves, how on earth am I supposed to love this person? Because I'll tell you, the last thing I have for them is fuzzy feelings. The love of God, the command to love other people is not rooted in just feeling good about each other. The call and the command, the essence of loving other people is to live out the value that God has placed on each and every person and to trust him in it. That person that drives you nuts, that causes you, they have all of your buttons figured out and they can make you angry like this. Jesus, while they were in the midst of their sin and their rebellion and their ability to make you so angry, Jesus came and died for them. That's how much he loves for them. That's how much he cares for them. That person is loved by God. And yes, maybe they are running away from him. And maybe they are the opposite of giving anything of value that looks like anything God would give. And maybe they're hurting. And maybe they're suffering. And God doesn't say, just have some fuzzy feelings for them. God is saying, I want to show you the power of when you don't have the fuzzy feelings for them. What it looks like when you commit to treating them and acting in the love and the value that I have placed on their life. That is my daughter. That is my son. And I want you to show my love to them. You see, when we begin to understand what role the emotions are taking in our life, that something is bubbling up inside of us, something is rising to the surface, we have two options in front of us. We can trust to do whatever our emotions tell us to do in that moment and most likely destroy a lot of things in the pathway in the wake. Or we can trust Jesus and realize that his leadership, his guidance, and his love are gonna transform everything. What I continue to discover is that our emotions are great indicators. They're phenomenal indicators. I love it when those alarm bells go off, but they're terrible masters. They're terrible masters. You do not have to obey your anger. You do not have to even obey your emotions. We should listen to them. But how are we going to engage it. Jesus kind of says it simply like this in John 13. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love each other. I want you to love just as I have loved you. You should love each other. I've sacrificed when I was spit on. I have shown up in places I wasn't invited to. I have loved other people even with other people said that that's that's ridiculous. Why would you show up and help them? Jesus said, because I see the value and the love that I have for these people. You've been harshly talked to, you've been spit on, you've been accused, you've been beaten, and Jesus says, I get it. But I want you to love people the way that I've loved people. Because that's what changes your life, and that's what helps change theirs. You see, the miracle of how Jesus wants us to interact with our anger is he doesn't just 
help us hear the alarm bells. He doesn't just help us put an oven mitt on. He doesn't just help us get the stuff out of the oven. He doesn't just help us actually share the recipe. He helps us turn the oven off. Because a lot of times, if we just kind of go through the four steps, we're like, okay, I handled that instance okay. I didn't destroy everything. But the, the emotions are still baking. All of that's still swirling inside of us. I still see that person as my enemy. I still see that situation with hatred. I still see that person in a way that's not helpful to me or to them. And Jesus is saying, what if, what if we could turn the oven off? You shouldn't let the oven run and heat while nothing is in there. <laughs> Jesus isn't just here to give us a couple of quick steps, even though he does. That's the beauty of Christian principles. You follow Christian principles, your life will tend to be better than when you don't. But Jesus isn't just in the game of saying do this and don't that. He's in the game of changing us, transforming us, and bringing us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Not just maintaining and handling our angry outburst, but actually showing us a completely different pathway if we would just journey with him. The band's gonna come out and they're gonna lead us through two songs that I think are really great to help us process this and whether you sit there in silence and prayer or whether you just are belting these words like God help me experience this pathway, this journey with you, I wanna ask you two questions. The first is do you want different results with your anger? Okay, real talk. I heard there's a football game today. Are you okay being the person that's probably cutting your life short by raising your blood pressure and yelling at a black rectangle in your room because of a game that other people are playing and you have no control over? Now we can chuckle about that because that's how normal that is. There's all the reels and the TikToks in the world that will show you people bashing their TVs, yelling, jumping all around. Are we actually, I mean, think about it. Are you really okay with being that angry over a game that you're not even playing? And then life gets way more serious than that. Do you want different results with your anger? Or do we just wanna sit and excuse it. Are you willing to trust Jesus with your emotions? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I want something different? Jesus, my way's not, my way's not working. I love these people and I treat them like crap sometimes. I don't want to be the person that's untrustworthy just because I can't keep my anger in check. I don't want to be the person that's blowing up at arbitrary things anymore and destroying pieces of my life just because I can't, I can't engage this. I want to trust you. I trust that you can meet me in my worst moments and show me something different don't have to be burned. I don't have to burn everything around me. In fact, you'll help me shut the oven off. And whether that takes me a couple of weeks or whether that takes me a few years, Jesus, I just want to journey with you.
because I have trust that you will show me how to handle my emotions, that you will help me handle my emotions in a way that I just can't do on my own. Will you trust him? Will you walk with him? Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Um, Thank you for forgiving me and meeting me in all of my worst moments. Thank you for showing me something different. Thank you for being my strength when I don't have any. Thank you for being that voice in my head that when I'm all out of options and all out of answers and all out of ideas, all of a sudden this reminder, this pathway, this thing shows up in my mind. It's your voice helping me to see more clearly and love the way that you love. God, I pray for us because this is heavy. A lot of us, this is a real, real struggle. Help us to be humble enough to to give ourselves over to you. You are trustworthy, you are good, you are loving, and you get it, you understand it, and you're right here with us. Lead us in this moment and the many, many more to follow as we give our emotions over to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.